Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man Podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man Podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leaving monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30-somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at AudibleTrial.com slash PeerPleasure. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check it out today. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Dewey, and we're glad to have you back for another week with us here on the show. So this week's show is a special one for me. I've been trying to get scheduling to work out with this and everything else, Uh, but when I first had the concept of doing the podcast, I reached out to my guest this week uh, to see about being the first guest because, uh, you know, we have a long history together and been friends a long time. And I thought it'd be really cool, but scheduling and everything, once I finally got this thing rolling, uh, 
weren't able to hook up until just recently. So episode nine is what it's going to be. So that being said, my guest this week is the one and only John Gorley from Portugal, the man. Uh, a lot of you know him. M- most of you know him from Portugal, the man. Uh, some of you may not know we were in a band together before Portugal, the man called anatomy of a ghost uh, on fearless records. And we put out one record with that band and we recorded demos for a second album, had everything in the works to do that. And then uh, during the touring cycle uh, leading up to that tour, uh, the band decided to call it quits and everyone wanted to do different things. Uh, and John and Zach wanted to, to split off and do Portugal the Man, which started out as an electronic uh, side project kind of idea uh, that John had been working on. Um, and I had gone the other way, starting a band called The Burning Room. Uh, we put out a record on Media Scare Records called We Invented Thunder back in 2006. Um, and after that point, uh, I got a call from John. They had had a couple shows in Santa Cruz with Dredge and wanted to know if I wanted to come play on those shows, which, of course, I said, sure. And uh, they, were, they were awesome shows, both sold out, really cool guys in Dredge. Um, and after that, just stayed on uh, for quite a while, doing a bunch of touring, in the U.S. and uh, in Europe with them, so that was nice to be back with them for a while and and really uh, see how things had progressed and grown. Uh, when we started Anatomy of a Ghost, we were all fairly young and uh, immature and and you know stupid little fighting and and things like that, which we'd since grown out of and and really blossomed into a really, I think, lifelong friendship. So, anyways, uh, not to take up too much of your time here. Just wanted to preface the episode. Uh, it's a big episode for us here at Pure Pleasure and, and for me having my good, good friend John on. So we're going to do things a little different on this episode. We are going to play a little bit of the single as lead into the interview. Uh, the single's called Noise Pollution. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to play the whole thing. So if you haven't heard it yet, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And you'll be able to hear the whole new single, Noise Pollution by Portugal the Man. Uh, it's going to be on the new record uh, that hasn't been titled yet. I know there's some titles floating around. But as we talked about on the episode, you know, that's not decided yet. So definitely stay tuned to hear that at the end. Um, And we are, as usual, on www.peerpleasurepodcast.com, on iTunes and SoundCloud. We are on Instagram and Twitter as well. And if you'd like, email me at peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, or anything you want to talk about that way, uh, feel free to hit me up. We're loving all the comments and questions we're getting and are having a good time with that. So uh, without further ado, let's roll into my talk with John Gorley from Portugal, the man. my day going yeah did you go for your run already no i decided against it actually yeah i uh i didn't didn't feel like jumping into that this morning 
All right. <laughs> I kind of kind of had a late night. Yeah. Tweeted a bunch of stuff I probably shouldn't have. Oh Should've no. Looked into what I was tweeting about before I did it. Oh shit. No, I guess I should have checked that out. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. Can you delete tweets? Uh no, not really. I mean, they get logged. Okay. So. Great. Have yeah. you gotten some calls this morning already? <laughs> uh no, I got a, I got a few texts. Okay. I'm Excellent. just waiting for Atlantic to see it on Monday. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> but I, I, I should be good. Good. They don't mess with me, man. Yeah, you don't care about that shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Uh, John Gorley doesn't give a fuck about anything. And, Do not uh, give a fuck. <laughs> I'm guessing you're at home right now. It's kind of funny. You're, you're at home, and I'm like 15 minutes over the river in Vancouver, Washington at the studio, but uh, sometimes Skype works better, I think, even audio quality-wise, so that's one thing I've noticed so far, is uh, it's a lot better. So, Anyways, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. I, I Just some backstory. John was going to be the first guest on the podcast when I was first discussing doing it, and then with scheduling, and, and you've, you've been incredibly busy with this new record and everything else, and then I've been busy with family stuff, and, and it just hasn't worked out till now. You're gonna be, I think you're going to be episode 10. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Round it out. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, so what have you been up to, man? What You just got off tour. Uh, you just did like a, not a, I don't want to call it a nostalgia tour. You did a tour of old material from like a Waiter and Churchmouth, right? Yeah, I think that was the initial plan. That was the idea was we were going to go out play a bunch of smaller clubs that we haven't been to in a while Mm -hmm. and play play a bunch of older stuff but i don't know i get so caught up in set lists and flow and i mean you you've seen the shows like we try to transition from one song into the next and we just have so many songs and if if i'm being honest the when you tour for 10 years Mm -hmm. straight you you get to understand songwriting better and a lot of the newer songs just are just suited for playing out live yeah so we ended up playing uh it it was a good mix i think we played something from every record with the exception of american ghetto which we had planned on working in some stuff from that but we just ended up not fitting it in on this one just because of flow reasons or or was there other reasons behind that yeah, I didn't want to practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> they can't get me to show up to practice. <laughs> no, I, I think it was mainly that I had written out a set list and I just didn't even realize I hadn't included any of American Ghetto. Mm-hmm. I mean, the initial plan was to play When the War Ends and Dead Dog. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just didn't didn't end up squeezing in there. Okay. Well, you... We had a good flow. When you got a good thing going, you don't want to mess with it. <laughs> the one thing I haven't seen, I haven't seen you with this hype guy. Now I've I've seen pictures and I've seen video, but I haven't actually been to the show to see what well, he's got like 20 nicknames. What is his actual name? <laughs> Lord Lipboy. Lord Lipboy. Uh, Little Italy. <laughs> no, it's uh, our, our buddy Chris Black. Okay. And he's he's actually like uh, a director uh video producer 
music producer. He's kind of a, he's just a really creative guy and, and a friend of ours that we met through A.G. Rojas, who directed our video for Modern Jesus. Uh-huh. And it's just, he, he's just kind of been around us for a while. Like, he's a guy that we hang out with every time we go to L.A. And we've been working in L.A. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, he's he's the master of ceremonies. Like, he'll, he makes great playlists. He's a great DJ. And having him around is just fun. Yeah. You know, like, when you have those friends that can just bridge the gap, in in any situation like he is good with everybody and he's funny and just a nice presence to have around sure and that's just, something i mean you have you've always been that way too with with having you know outside people you know you and i have known each other a long time and and been through a lot of things and but we always had there was always someone that was brought in like with uh like austin sellers on the artwork stuff like there's always like an outside collaboration which was always kind of cool because there was always just someone that was there and it was yeah, it seemed even, like it just kind of worked out well yeah even to take it back to like anatomy of a ghost like having logan and nick klein oh, logan and and, and wes like <laughs> we always had this i i think that's what what will make a really great touring band is mm-hmm. is bringing people that you like being around and people that you like hanging out with i mean I, i've always said like our whole like lords of portland thing yeah i know you you know a little bit about that uh-huh. it was it was kind of born as a, a joke like we created it as this like nobody does that in portland like nobody <laughs> like who's gonna challenge that first of all uh-huh. in portland and it, it was kind of a joke but it it's it's become this really great just cool community of like friends and family mm-hmm. and the way i look at touring is when you're out with your crew i mean it, it shouldn't it should be separate on the work side of things. Yeah. I think it's really important that you, you look at it the way you would look, look at like being a superintendent on a job site. Mm-hmm. You want to keep like plumbers over here and electricians over there and yeah. carpenters over here. But you want to have groups that can interact with each other and, and hang out and be chill in the same space. Sure. And you, I mean, going from, when we were touring together, I mean, it was a much smaller affair, and now you've got a full production. I mean, you've got semi-truck and, or trucks, buses, I mean, full-on crew, everything. Like, the transition what? from that, I mean, you you guys, <laughs> you, you have a lot to deal with. I mean, and, and a lot of people that rely on you guys to be successful and, and to, you know, live. Um you know, from rich on down, I mean, how does that yes. responsibility affect what you do now? I mean, as, as far as, you know, you're joking about not showing up to practice and stuff, which, uh, you know, it, it always happens somewhere in the, in the chain, but what, uh, how does that change your view on what you're doing every day when you write songs, when you, when you do anything band wise? Oh, I, I mean, it has to affect you. I mean, those are those pressures that are so annoying to hear bands and or 
actors or whoever, like mm. any creative talk about it's it's so annoying to hear about their pressures and you know like everybody likes to step back and say yeah but you got the greatest job in the world True. but there it, it's it's intense to think about all of the people that make a living off of what you do and it's not just us i mean mm-hmm. all like rich works with other artists sure. and our business manager works with other artists and it it's just a weird thing that everything like you you feel like a product in some ways mm-hmm. and it's about breaking through that and remembering like why you do this yeah and again just to bring it back around to chris and the people that we have on tour with us yeah and the lords of portland the lords of portland was our way of getting around that and we started doing that like five years ago or four years ago or whatever mm-hmm. and it was our way of I, I guess it was it's when we were working with caa we were playing all these big shows and a lot of sponsored shows which i'm i'm not against mm-hmm. not against playing the sponsored shows because it definitely pays the bills sure but there's something really great about being able to walk into a club or a basement and just play a show mm-hmm. and actually like be around kids and be around fans and friends. And that's what the Lords of Portland is. When we go out and play shows as the Lords of Portland, we split everything with whoever's present for that tour. Mm-hmm. So if we go and play a club and we make $5,000 or whatever, it gets split up between everybody from the merch guy to myself like we all make the same same amount of money and I, I i just think that stuff is really important to to keeping your head straight and realizing where you come from sure. and again chris chris is really great at that like he's a lot of our our friends are super successful and we have our friends that don't even care about anything we do mm-hmm. <laughs> like at all don't even realize we play in a band i'm sure uh-huh. um and I, I i just think that's how you get around a lot of those pressures but it, it it's tough like, it's pretty hard to be in the studio and i mean you know all this because you've seen us through everything yeah it's it's hard to be in a studio with everybody looking at you saying Where's the song? Yeah. <laughs> are, are you really going to just watch movies right now or play video games? <laughs> and it's it's stuff that I've always done. Yeah. It's so weird to me that it's still to this day, like, it's so hard to get across to the band and people we're working with that, yeah, no, I played video games. Like, that's how my brain works. Like, I do something that takes my mind completely off of music. Mm-hmm. And that's when I I start thinking about music. Sure. I think that's how a lot of creative or some creative people work. There are different types of creatives, but I'm yeah. the one that needs to have, you know, be completely separated from music. And I need to have a lot of things going on and have movies on in the background and a lot of distraction Yeah. to hear that one idea. And that makes more but sense to me hearing that from you that way i mean 
it's it's an ongoing joke with the podcast between uh, Joe Simon and I because he he listens to all the episodes, and I didn't realize till starting this podcast and and just chatting with old friends how much you and Portugal have been a part of my life because every episode something comes up from a, oh, either right. a story about you and I or uh, you know this tour story this tour story and. You know, the first episode we did with Andrew from Fall of Troy, and he brought up, he's like, do you remember that deer skull that was in the van? And like all this hilarious shit. And, uh, you know, after living together and all that stuff, you know, watching you, because you would always be, I mean, you'd always be moving. And then, you know, six o'clock at night, you'd be down in the room watching movies, you know, in the dark. Or, and it always seemed like you were distracted, but you really weren't. It was just how your brain works. It was just how your creative juices get flowing, if you will. Like the the, and it makes so much more sense now, talking about it and talking about it with other people, you know, that have noticed. Like, man, I thought he was just really squirrely or whatever. It's like, no, he, he's he's he can see a song from beginning to end, and that's then that's one thing you've always had that was always incredible to me to see because. We also joked because, you know, we'd be doing something. Finally, when we were doing something, you'd always show up with a guitar. Like, oh, dude, check this out. Like, oh, all right, John. And I watched you play yeah. this riff, and it was like, cool. Because I couldn't see it to the end. I was like, oh, cool, okay. And then go back to whatever I was doing. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, what? All right, check this out. Or someone would come over to the house and be like, hey, listen to this. But now, stepping back from it and being out of it, I totally see what you were doing. And... Is it's cool to see, and that's something like I said, you can always see. It seems like to me, anyways, that you could see a song from the beginning. You know what it's going to be at the end, and that's something that was super important and is now still, I'm sure, to what you're doing because you know you've got all these people relying on you. You've got this super expensive studio, you know, and they're looking at you playing video games like what the hell. But here, yeah, yeah, you're 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 forming music in your head i mean that's that's really awesome i mean is is uh and that and it's good to hear that's still the way it is because i mean you haven't changed at all you know the music's the music's uh growing and expanding by leaps and bounds but your process is the same it seems like yeah i think it has to be and to to be fair i'm not that smart (laughs) i'm not like looking at things going yeah i know what this will be it's it's more about like I mean, just to tell you, I, I imagine it was insanely frustrating for uh, Rich when he first started managing us. Uh-huh. Uh, when I started turning in demos, just for anybody that doesn't know our process, and I don't think we've actually really talked about it very much, mm-hmm. but I'll record like 20, like 15 or 16 second demos mm-hmm. or 30 second demos. And these are the demos that I would turn into the label. And everybody would be throwing their hands up like, what the fuck do I do with this? <laughs> this is not a song. And to me, I, th- I think it's more about seeing something in this little bit. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Like, this is where it'll go. It's it's more about being decisive and, and like making decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll go here, then it'll go here, then it'll go here. And that's a song. I mean, it's pretty much the uh, everybody's already done it you know you know how a song works you know how structures work you know how chords work and music works mm-hmm. 
it's just about finding your way to that end point. And I, I think with, with this band, the thing that we've we've taken a lot of time with lately mm-hmm. is structuring and lyrics. And man, doing that last tour we did, yeah, where we are playing old material, <clears throat> it was so exciting to play some of these songs where I was just rattling off lyrics off the top of my head. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. You know, like looking back at it, there are those moments of, oh, there's there's a lyric. Hey, Francis, buddy. <laughs> Francis popped out. Uh, yeah, so like going, going back through all this old material, I'm like singing a handful of lyrics that don't mean anything. And just realizing how little thought I put into all that. Uh-huh. It was more about practice as a songwriter. It was more about, yeah, let's record an album and like, let's go in back into the studio in eight months and record another one. Uh-huh. You know, let's, let's really try to learn this and take it out on tour and see what works. And the thing that I found that with a lot of our older stuff is it was so much easier to just write hard transitions, like hard <laughs> tempo changes and throw out a bunch of ideas that's that's some of the i mean that was those are some of my favorite times like playing with you and joe and nick and zach and just everybody we grew up with yeah how we would just throw ideas at things like that there's something really amazing about that Uh just being really carefree with with music and lately with the pressures comes the idea that you have to figure out how the songs work like, how does this make sense like why like why am i doing this and i think we've gotten to a, a really good creative point i mean i think that right now we're the most creative this band has been since mm. the beginning i mean I, I was going through demos last night and the new record and it's it's been crazy to me how long it's taken us to make this album. Yeah. But you look back at all the songs we've recorded in the different versions. I think there's something like 50 or 60 songs we've recorded that are pretty much done. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's 10 versions of some of these songs. There's totally different lyrics. There's totally different instrumentation. There's totally different structures. It's... It's it's pretty cool to look back and see all of all of those ideas that we kind of grew up in music mm-hmm. having. You know, they're all still there. It's just about picking the the two best parts. Sure, you could almost release this record as a thing. box set. It seems like at this point. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason we changed the lyrics. There's a reason we changed the structure. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to see it sometimes when you're in the middle of it. But I, I, I see it now and see that, uh, yeah, maybe we were, I don't know, maybe we just jumped in and, and got in too deep in the beginning. Because we, I mean, we really went straight back into the studio mm-hmm. after uh, the last album. I mean, we have two songs that we recorded, I think, right around the time that our album was released. That evil friends. And I, yeah, and I like there's noise pollution. There's a song that we're putting out 
pretty soon. Um, we recorded with, I might be produced, but, uh, the demo started in our basement uh-huh. during the, the last session, the last recordings. Okay. And I, I think it's, it's pretty neat that some of that stuff has come around. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's really cool is, is every record's been different and every record you can't really pin down like, man, who do these guys sound like? And that's something I've always noticed since you guys started, you know, at the very beginning, you know, with Harvey and Wes and, and Nick Klein. But, you know, this new out after listening to most of those, those demos with Zach, you know, driving back and forth when we were doing that work on your house, the... There was a few songs that really stuck out to me, and it was funny. And and I wanted to bring this up to you and I have talked about this before, but but uh, the amount of access that you guys have now, being so successful at this point, uh, like you know, driving in the van with Zach, we're listening to uh, oh, I forget what song it might have been, Noise Pollution, um, but I heard it in my head, a call and response verse between you and Peaches. I was like, this would be perfect. If if John and Peaches were on the song together and doing like a call, like one line, one line, one line, one line, and Zach's like, "Yeah, I could hear that. I'll I'll call her up." I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll call her up and bring it up." I was like, "Oh, you know each other?" He's like, "Yeah." So anyone I would bring up, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, we, you know, we know these people now." And it was like, "Wow, that's really interesting <laughs> to hear." Then and that's one thing I brought up to you is having that access how that's, you know, either been inspiring or, or, uh, um, you know, detrimental to, to what you're doing. Do you feel that it's been like a, like a blessing or a curse? Um, you know, a a lot of the people we hang out with, I I feel like we meet a lot of these people because we're such dipshits. (laughs) We're just like out making a mess of everything. And I, for some reason, there's this part of me that can't really get my head around like why like mike d wants to work with us Uh so badly like and why we're like we're hanging out with mike d like it it doesn't make any sense to me and i feel like maybe it's because we're such dipshits (laughs) but we have like enough of a handle on music Uh that people are just they just want to help us figure things out (laughs) and we're fighting them every step of the way (laughs) Like no no I'm I'm a dipshit like, I'm serious I I'm, I'm really dumb. They're like no no man come on you got it you got it you, you got this let's you bring it together this. let's make some songs. <laughs> I mean I think that's what it is more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean we're we're all from Alaska like that's the scene that all of us grew up in mm-hmm. is so much different than the rest of the world and the rest of the music world. I mean, I guess it's more like when, when we travel to like South America and, and hang out with musicians down there mm-hmm. or, I mean, even in Europe, I, I don't know if you were uh, with us when like Petra was hanging out. Did mm. Petra come to any of the shows? I think so. Yeah. Over in, in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, like there, there's something about, Zach and I, as we travel around, like hang out with people, it, it just, everything's just really exciting to us. Mm-hmm. And it's rad that we get to do these things. And to be fair, I mean, to, to be fair to us, like it's, 
like a lot of the producers we work with, like you can't buy them. And I feel really thankful for that. Like yeah. you can't just give Mike D money and say, produce my record. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't need it. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Brian's the same way. Like Danger Mouse, he, he doesn't need to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he can work with anybody he wants. And I think it's really nice to have good people around that you connect with on a personal level that has nothing to do with what label you're on or mm-hmm. who you can call up. I mean, we've just kind of met people along the way. Sure. And I, I, being excited about music and I, I mean, being forward with the way, <laughs> the way we think like, Oh my God, you're Mike D. I can't believe this. This is crazy. <laughs> you know, like without being fanboys and just, you know, genuinely like nice and easy to talk to. And I, I think that's how anything comes together. I mean, the people we work with, like, they're really good people. Mm-hmm. Like, Brian's one of the best dudes I know. Mike is, like, again, like, one of the best dudes I know. Peaches is great. Yeah. And she's a genius. Like, I agree. I she's, agree. She's really amazing. I think... I think it's all about, like, mutual respect and respecting boundaries and, you know, just meeting... Meeting people in the right way. Sure. Well, what is, what's it like, I guess, working with Mike D and Brian uh, Danger Mouse on this record? You've worked with both of them on this record, right? Yeah, we kind of worked. It's weird because we, we did a lot, a lot of work across um, the, the past year. Uh-huh. Or year, four years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, so like we were working with, with Brian for the last uh, five years. Uh-huh. And Mike, we've known for three and a half. Okay. It's, so we've just had like different, different moments where we would go down to, like we went to Malibu and recorded at Shangri-La mm-hmm. at like Rick Rubin's studio with Mike. Yeah. And it was something that he just suggested we come and do. Uh-huh. And I guess, I guess that's the advantage of to go back to your your last question about like how this af- affects things, when you have friends like Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want yeah. in music. Like it's it's weird. Like it's easily taken advantage of, and that's something we we try not to do. Uh-huh. But I mean, how how many of our friends can say, "Hey, come and live at my house in Malibu." on my compound and Uh we'll go up to (laughs) Shangri-La and record for the next few months. That's crazy. Honestly, it probably probably hinders the process. It's probably... It's it's one of those things. Like, if if you're not hungry, do you need to go out and get food? No. Like, I don't... don't, if If I'm not in need, it's hard to write a song. Yeah. It's hard to write a song if you're not hungry exactly yeah and that when you've always talked about how hard it is to write i mean coming from like bands we started in wasn't necessarily pop music but how how hard it is to write a pop song like it's not <laughs> yeah. it sounds simple when you listen to it but to create it yourself 
you always talked about how hard that is, and it made a lot of sense because it was like, yeah, if I'm just gonna sit down with a guitar and try to write a you know a hit song, or a you know to use the cliche term, I guess, uh, it's oh yeah, impossible. Like you try to write hit songs, shit, <laughs> but it, you can't predict that. Yeah, a- everybody we work with, I mean, the amount of times I've heard Brian say that, like, yeah, this song's great, but who knows? Yeah, you never know. Yeah, like I have a really good feeling. Uh, you could have good feelings about everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember you were saying Atlantic yourself. wasn't hearing a wasn't hearing a first single; they were hearing a second and third single. And then I came over that day, and you're like, "I think I did it. Last, I think I I think I wrote it last night. I feel really good about this song." And I was like, "Really?" And you're like, "Yeah." It's like this is great. <laughs> so you yeah. can start getting that record out. You know, like it's funny to think about things like that. You know, on that level. Well, this this the song that you're talking about too. The way all of this this stuff has worked for me in recent years mm-hmm. is what that that song, the song I was talking about was two hours at the end of a session. Uh-huh. I just walked into another room with with my buddy Asa from Electric Guest, uh-huh. and he, I was playing this bass line, and he was digging it. So he goes, "Yeah, you know what? Let me record that real quick." So we record the bass line. He throws a quick beat on on top of this. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, this dude is amazing, by the way. I mean, he's like throwing out little yips and just like crazy <laughs> sound effects. Like uh-huh. the dude is nuts, like super, super talented. But he did all that within like 15 or 20 minutes, like through a beat on top of this bass line. Uh, I, I put a chorus on it and he just handed me the mic and I started singing some lyrics that I had had before, uh-huh. some lyrics to another song that we just couldn't bring together. And it was just one of those immediate things. Like, oh, this works. Uh-huh. It works over this bass line. That's where we were going wrong. We were trying to make this punk song, and really it's a Motown bass line. Uh-huh. You know, that's like what it needed was this groove. I, I think sense. that's the most exciting thing with... I'm I'm pretty sure most pop music works in that way. Uh-huh. Having seen some writing workshops and been in studios now with pop producers. Yeah. And been on the writing end of things where you're going to go in and co-write with somebody. Like you, you come up with it pretty quickly. Uh-huh. And it's just the way that artist delivers. You know, can you deliver? Yeah. Well, do you get... I mean, I was, uh, do you get offers or not offers, but I guess requests from different artists, younger artists, or does Atlantic put you out for, you know, Hey, we've got this new band coming in. Do you want to sit in and write with them? Do you do stuff like that? I haven't seen much, um, on my end of you doing that, but is that something you do often or, or on occasion? Not really. I I've never really done, done that. Okay. I think we have a really specific thing. And again, if I write a, a song that could be the song, yeah. I'd much rather have it for our band sure. than, than somebody else. <laughs> but th- that'll probably change. I'll probably do some some of that just because it is a lot of fun. It's, yeah. it's so much fun getting into the studio with creative people on different ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like it could be... I, like we worked with some like major pop 
pop producers mm-hmm. on like co-write stuff. Yeah. Where it, it's just something I wanted to try. Like, I'd love to see how this works. Like, what if, uh, you know, what if something comes out of this? Like, what if you find a song that you really believe in and you really love? Like, th- this could be a fun thing. Sure. Ultimately, it didn't really work out, <laughs> if, I, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but it was really exciting to, to sit down with creative people and have somebody put down a beat. And I would just play guitar and write a few lyrics and, mm-hmm. and top line melody things. And it's, it's just a kind of a fun scene. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, you know, being from Alaska and how different it is and how different the scene is and the people, I mean, the, the breed of people are just, I mean, you can't find them anywhere else. And I absolutely agree. But being in Portland for so long, you know, you just bought a house in Portland. I mean, you're kind of home-based in Portland. What does Alaska, you know, aside from, I mean, your family still lives up there, but what does Alaska mean to you now versus when we were all, you know, from there and fresh from there? Does it still have as much of a pull on you creatively? Or does it, I mean, are you more, I mean, falling into the Portland uh, lifestyle? Oh, it definitely does. The, this whole album came together when it finally did come together. Mm-hmm. It's because I went back home and was hanging out with my dad. And he's got a place out, out towards Willow. Uh-huh. And we're hanging. And I see this little baggie on his shelf. And it has his ticket to Woodstock. Uh-huh. I mean, this could just be a family thing. I'd say Alaska is definitely tied in with all that just because you're so isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's, it's nice to be away from things and not be distracted by, you know, the bar down the street mm-hmm. or the shop or just different things that we have to do day to day. In Alaska, I feel like you go away. That's, that's where I go and escape things. Yeah. But this, I mean, this whole album came together, sitting down with my dad at his place, seeing his ticket to Woodstock, which apparently was in one of his old toolboxes uh-huh. that he had given to a friend for a job. Like his buddy did did some work for him uh-huh. and he gave him this old tool set and <laughs> he brought back the ticket, like found the ticket in the <laughs> toolbox. And... Just just sitting down with my dad with that ticket and him saying, hey, what's what's taking so long with this record? Like, it's <laughs> it's weird. Like, you guys put out so many records so quickly. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain it to him. And <laughs> I'm like, just kind of winding around uh-huh. the truth of it, which is that nothing should be holding back this record. Like, the, why, why is this taking so long? Like, we're one of the handful of bands that actually play instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, how many bands do we tour with now that have laptops? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure like, most of them at this point. It's, oh, 99%. Yeah. 99% of the bands out there are playing to tracks. And the way I've looked at the last few, few years working on this record mm-hmm. is I spent a lot of time getting to know different software and hardware and different instruments and just see what's happening in music right now Mm -hmm. 
like learning Ableton and learning like sampling and all these things and hanging out with my dad I realized yeah I should just sit down and play my instrument mm-hmm. what am I doing yeah. <laughs> why am I sampling all this stuff like it's fun and it's it's great to use that like new technology and it's great to use it in a way that benefits our songs mm-hmm. but if we can't sit down in the studio and write a song then what's the point of being in this band exactly you know, I, I could do that stuff on my own you know we could write for other people like i believe in this band mm-hmm. and then, i think that was a moment when i went through our stuff i picked 10 songs and said this is it this yeah. is the record these are the ones that came together in the most organic way mm-hmm. and are the most exciting to me yeah so you've got so you so it's going to be a 10 song record that's yeah, what that's you're the saying right on? now okay again I, I think this comes down to yeah we have a lot of material yeah we have a lot of stuff but the best records that i've listened to and, and it depends like there's like hip-hop records that i love mm-hmm. from start to finish that are good straight through but I feel like 10 songs is perfect to sit down in your living room and put on a record. Sure. You know, it's like the perfect amount to sit down and and feel good. Like when you get to the end. Yeah. Who who knows? Like in the future, maybe we'll we'll try like a, a double album thing or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. But this album completely changed. Just hanging out with my dad. Even right now, everything's going to mix and, I'm like changing lyrics right now. I mean, a lot of this is due to the election and everything. Yeah. I feel like the world is a lot different and it's set to be much different than it is right now. Were you looking to make, I mean, were you looking to, to make this record a statement on that front? I mean, I know that's the other thing I wanted to talk about is when you were saying, joking about, you know, just making up lyrics as you go and things like that and how strange the lyrics were when we were playing together. And then they were, they were strange lyrics, but at the same time they were very structured to where there were certain parts that had to be this way, this way, this way. And it all worked out. The last few records, the lyrics have been a lot more straightforward and very clear. Um, were you with this record trying to make a statement in any way, or were you just kind of letting what happens happen? Cause you're saying like changing lyrics because of the election and things like that. Is it more politically charged or socially charged or is it just like a, uh, you know, the, each song speaks for itself. Uh, I, I would say at the end of the day, it's not really our place necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because there are people like a moral technique and rage is the machine. Mm-hmm. And like there are, and run the jewels. Like there are great lyricists that have the platform and have the format. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like hip hop is so much better suited to deliver messages like that. Uh-huh. I, I think when it comes to being political, you take the Neil Young route. You know, you take take the Beatles, and we sing about what we know, which is family and uh, acceptance mm-hmm. and. I think that's a lot of what I was thinking when I went back in to rewrite lyrics. Yeah. After the election, like I, I don't give a shit. 
about any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, politics are fucking stupid. Like it's it's so dumb. It's so diluted, and it, nobody gets anything done. It's this is a scary thing happening. But mm-hmm. for me, like I just want to put out the best message that we can. Yes, yeah. and make something that people can listen to and not think about this shit. Strengthen. You know, or at least take their minds off of it. Yeah. It. Strengthen your strengthen your values and, and core values and put those out there the same. I mean, like you said, with family and, and everything. I mean, that's one thing I noticed from the very beginning is how close you and your family are. I mean, your brother and your sister and your your dad and your mom and, and every time you were the only person in that in that van that no matter what, how quick of a call or what time it was or what was going on, you always said, I love you to your brother, your sister, whoever you were talking to in your family. The only person that did that to every single person that they talked to in their family, you know, like we would all say yeah. to girlfriends or, or I love you, mom. See you later. You always made it a point to say, I love you before you hung up the phone. And it was every time. And I always thought that was cool because none of us did that. You know, and, and uh, that was a cool thing to see. And and then, you know, seeing you work with your dad and stuff like that, you know, because in Alaska, uh, I didn't have much experience with your family like I did with Joe and Nick's and, and everybody else's. So seeing that after the fact was really cool to see that bond. And it makes sense when you say you sat down with your dad and he just kind of said, hey, what's going on, man? I just <laughs> yeah, called you out. It so long. And uh, yeah, and that was that was cool. But uh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, Dad, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Dad. Uh, so we talked a lot about the record and and things like that. It's going to be called Doom and Gloomin' still, right? Uh, I'm not so sure. Like it, okay. the the whole album has has changed, and the thing is, fifty or sixty songs have mm-hmm. been recorded, and two and a half years ago, or two years ago, that's what the album was going to be called. Yeah. And, to this <laughs> yeah, none of those songs. I mean, there's like different stages of those songs. Yeah. I guess technically are on the record, but it's a completely different album. And that whole record was, I mean, it was basically prepped and ready. Like I just needed to finish up a couple of things on it. Yeah. I mean, that was like a double album with like Mike D and Danger Mouse mm-hmm. and and myself and it just ended up not being what i wanted to put out mm-hmm. which sounds <laughs> prissy <laughs> to be like sorry guys i i don't feel like putting out your record uh-huh. but it, it was more about like is this about us being in the studio with like our heroes or is this about like us putting out the best record we can yeah and man it it's it's like terrifying to make decisions like that, but that's that's just the way I work. Yeah, like it'll it'll be that it's, it's either yes or no. Like this is either it or it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's the call I made at the time, and we basically wrote a whole new record, included pieces of all of that because I think it's all important to mm-hmm. see the transition from the last record to now yeah but listening back to that stuff 
now now i've like listened back to it i'm like why did we cut all this stuff like why did i cut this from the record like this we could have put this out two years ago mm-hmm. and so i think i think gloomin and doom and we'll see what happens with it but i think that's a record that i it, it may come out it may not it mm-hmm. may come out in pieces but i feel like that doomin and gloomin is the last you know, three years. Yeah. And the record that I want to put out is today. Sure. Yeah, literally today. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and work on it right after this. Awesome. And uh, so another another aspect to your life as of as of recently, besides being you know a father now and and uh, and everything that way is you've been you've been doing some stuff. You did Hood to Coast um, with one of Nike's teams, correct? It was, I forget the name of the team, but it was, yeah, dimension six, dimension six. And I remember I came over to the house to get some pears from that pear tree you had that was overflowing. And I walked into your room (laughs) and there was Nike shoes everywhere. And I was like, what is this? And, uh, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing hood to coast. Cool. What? Really? Yeah. With Kevin Hart. And I was like, Kevin Hart. And then (laughs) it was just out of nowhere. Like, Oh yeah. This is what I'm doing, and then, so you're doing the you're doing the race, and I remember I got a text from you. I, it was sometime way early in the morning, about that you woke up in a tent on the side of the road with Theo Rossi or Juice from Sam Crow, and I, it was it was just the most random, hilarious text I've ever received. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and it, I was like, this goes back to the whole access thing, but. How was that experience doing the Hood to Coast with those guys, or just the Hood to Coast in general? I mean, it could have been with anyone, but um, I mean, because you're running now and and uh, you know doing some active stuff. How has that changed your your outlook on things and and such? Oh, it's great. I, I I grew up playing sports. Like I grew up playing hockey and baseball and gymnastics, and I always loved running. Mm-hmm. I just never did a lot of it, and. To me, the thing the thing that I get when I I run is, I mean, I don't I don't generally run with music, mm-hmm. like I I just run, and I think this, it just, it's really calming and it's it's just good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I that that's the reason I did the race in the first place was I I haven't done anything where I've had to struggle. Mm-hmm. in in a in a few years i mean writing music is hard but it's not like it's not a challenge necessarily physically yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and this i just got asked at the right time i mean I'll, if i'm being honest i was probably drunk or hung over <laughs> and i got a text from one of the nike dudes and he just asked and i said yeah you know what i'll, I'll do that uh-huh. and it totally re- messed up like our whole last half of the year schedule with mm-hmm. the band like we had to cancel shows but it's it was something that i really wanted to do yeah and and i'll tell you what those those people that get into that stuff i'm i'm nowhere near the level of like competitiveness that like theo has uh-huh. theo is great that dude is just one of the best people I've, I've ever met and I, I'm just glad I did it yeah 
and I, I'd like to continue doing that stuff. I think it, it helps helps me in a creative way, just doing things that I'm I don't that my body isn't used to, and pushing myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was a lot of fun. And it's a good team. Like it, it, just being around a team of people. Uh-huh. Like we're all doing this together. Everybody's cheering you on. You're cheering on the other people in your team. Mm-hmm. It's that's the way a band should be. A band needs to operate like a sports team. <laughs> it should be we're going to go out there and kill the competition (laughs) we're gonna go out there and write the best songs Uh like i'm not here to write songs i'm here to write the best songs i i think that's that was really exciting to see yeah just as like we're running a fun race and there are all kinds of teams there are teams that walk the whole race Uh uh-huh you know and we're there a bunch of actors and musicians and we're seriously trying to be competitive right now. <laughs> and I thought that there was something so great about that. Just getting into a van and going, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to, how many people did you pass on your last run? Yeah, like that was the thing. Like every time you'd, you'd finish your run, how uh-huh. many kills did you get? How many kills? And kills are like, how many people did you pass? <laughs> and yeah, I, I really do think that's, that's the way bands should be looking at things uh-huh. I, I wish the guys had done it too and I, I i think we probably will at some point i think it'd be fun to put together a lords of portland team oh man i would love his, to see zach around hood coast that'd be amazing zach would not do it <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing you could not get that guy to do that race hamburger but stations I bet you could get jason and i bet you could get i know you could get kyle yeah like kyle is a competitive little shit like he is he is amazing at everything he puts his mind to. Oh, like Kyle. he'll go out and run like twelve miles. Yeah, just because. Just because. Just. Oh yeah. my god, I gotta have like him on the show. <laughs> oh, you should. Oh totally. Jesus, we could talk he's, about he's the got husband. A lot to say. We could, I have Jason on. We could talk about the flips and all that business, which I'm sure he's still rocking those bad boys. He's gonna yeah. have to change those for that run, though. That's gonna be brutal. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you what that. Yeah, that run was really good. Kyle, definitely get Kyle on the show. Yeah, I, I think you'd have a have a blast talking to him. I'm gonna talk to Zach on Tuesday and uh, and do his his episode and and uh, yeah, Kyle and and so Jason's back again, which is oh, yeah. I'm so excited about. I wanted to talk about that because I think he's he's the I mean he's just the best, and I'm so he's glad. so funny. <laughs> That he's back in action. How's he doing? How's how's it going with him on this last tour? Everyone's terrible. getting along. He's he terrible? is just the worst drummer. Oh, that piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's a terrible person. Uh-huh. No, it's 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 just that thing. Like you have this group of guys that gets into a van or a, a bus. Where, like mm-hmm. we get on stage together every single night, and. It's all about connections. Yeah. You know, like you can find a guy who can play drums better. You can find a somebody who plays guitar and sings better than I sing. You know, like it's all about putting the right people in a room. Mm-hmm. And Jason is that right person for our band. 
He he just is. I totally I agree. I've tried you. it with every every end of the spectrum of mm-hmm. drummers. Like we've had crazy rock drummers, we've had technical like genius drummers. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I like hanging out with Jason more than anybody. Mm-hmm. And I like having that guy that I can t- turn to on stage and say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he can go, fuck you. I dropped the stick. <laughs> and like, we could have our like little battles. Uh-huh. And, and that's what makes us stronger. You know, it makes us stronger as a group to be able yeah. to like turn around and know where everybody's at and know like what you used to and feel comfortable. And, and Jason's a great drummer. He is. I mean, just playing this tour, it was so obvious that Jason is our drummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the first time in years that I ever got on, like I've gotten on stage and just been like, "Yeah, you know what? This is what our band sounds like." Yeah. And I've been able to turn around and and say to Jason, "I'm just gonna play." <laughs> you know, or I can like step away from the mic, and everybody knows what to do. Yep. When that happens, because. J- John wasn't at practice. He forgot the lyrics. Uh-huh. You know, like he's gonna step away from the mic for a second. <laughs> they just know that that's the way my brain works. Like I'm fully like muscle memory, and everything I do is a, a little bit. It's from the hip. Yeah, I'm like Joe Simon. Yeah, she's from the hip. <laughs> my mom yeah, coined that term. I think. From Joe. He's a loose cannon that shoots from the hip. You need to watch out for him. Turns out he's my best friend in the whole world. <laughs> for my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Well, I, I think that it's good to have some of that. Like it's yeah. It's good to have like I mean, just to say something about the band. Zach and Kyle and Jason and when Ryan was in the band. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody that's been in this band, I I think you have to have a core group of people that are tight as hell. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been really lucky to have with everybody I've played with. Mm-hmm. Everybody keeps it very tight. And you need that if you want to be writing as you go, which you, you know, that's how we work. Like yeah. we've always kind of like jam things out and that could become a song on the next record. Yeah. You know, if I, if I like, hit a lead line that is a melody that i like like i i like to ride it for a minute and like explore those notes Mm -hmm. and explore what's within this thing that we're doing sure but the band is i mean that group of guys is easily probably the best at what they do out there in the rock world Mm mm-hmm I mean, it's it's a super tight group and a super tight band, and they know all the songs. I mean, we could pull out anything, yeah, and just play. And we couldn't have that if we didn't have Jason in this band. We couldn't have that if we didn't have Zach in the band. Mm-hmm. Like Zach is the the guy who's I walk over to mid set and go, "Hey, what's that lyric?" <laughs> and he knows exactly what i had to do that a couple times in in europe with you guys <laughs> i had to ask him yeah. now how does this part go zach and he's like oh yeah here you go and do you need me to write it down for you 
No, no, I got it. Just uh, yeah. And that's one thing with Jason is he was the most uh, impressive with how he, we would lock in together. It was just like you just fell into like a really really old mattress and it just kind of wrapped around you like you were in that pocket together without even looking at each other and you know before the the set he'd say who am i tonight you know i'm so and so i'm so and so okay and uh go out and channel these drummers but that's one thing i was so glad when you guys mentioned you were you were going to get him back in there and i was like oh it's perfect cuz it, yeah, it just yeah. fits it just fits it's just right yeah it is you know? totally and that's, that's... Yeah. I think that's that was the piece that's been missing for a little while now. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you have him back. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because we're almost an hour here, which is awesome. Um, but I wanted to oh, kind of end things on, on, you know, we've talked about the record. We've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. But, you know, what what kind of advice or 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 message do you want to put out to you know, people that are listening that, that are looking, you know, to either get into music, continue in music, or are looking at what you're doing. You know, do you have any, you know, words of wisdom from where you've come from? Well, I, the, the thing that I've learned from uh, everybody we've worked with, I mean, we've worked with some really great producers and songwriters mm-hmm. and musicians and what I think is the most important thing, it's it's really hard to teach. And I don't even know if you can teach it, really. You just kind of have to be the type of person who can be objective mm-hmm. and, and self-aware. It's super important to know your place. Like, I've seen guitarists that sing for bands that are so much better as just be a guitarist mm-hmm. like do you need to sing you know like the, i've seen drummers that want to be songwriters that are some of the best drummers i've ever seen in my fucking life like mm-hmm. i've seen those drummers that are so insanely good but they have a hard time just being a drummer and understanding the importance of of all of that mm-hmm. like i always equate music to like just finding your place like like you still need janitors in the world mm-hmm. like we still need people who are the best at doing that yeah you know or at least like playing that role appropriately you know like sure. just know your role and like know your place and know that everything you write may not be the best but it's also good to put it out there and that's how we learned Sure. Like we learned by putting out every bit of what we did mm-hmm. early on. And I still look at it like when we signed to Atlantic, it was it was after six years of learning songwriting and learning mm-hmm. how to make records. You know, we signed to Atlantic because we were ready, not because we needed a paycheck. Yes. Because we didn't sign to go into debt with somebody else. Exactly. You know, we Again. signed because <laughs> We wanted to put out our debut record. You know, we wanted to put out that frustrating thing that, like, Modest Mouse. I remember when Modest Mouse was up for a Grammy, and it's like a debut record situation. Uh-huh. Like, no, man, they got eight records. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, they were just ready. Uh-huh. You know, they were ready for that thing. I think it, 
it's it's just important. Like that's the most important thing that I've seen, and it's just about putting your head down and putting in the work and knowing what you're good at and knowing if being able to separate separate yourself from the music. I mean, there are all the people that make it mm-hmm. and that have that ability to like write a hit song and not even know how they did it. Like Jack White to me comes off as that, that type of guy. Mm-hmm. I'd say the Black Keys seem like very calculated with what they do. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, they really know what they're doing. They play blues rock, mm-hmm. you know, and they know that formula really well. And Dan's a great singer. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Jack White is throwing everything at the wall with like an extreme amount of talent and sometimes nailing it and sometimes missing. Yeah. But he's always putting something out and always working. Well, just that, going to work. Yeah. That's great, man. I, I, and that's one thing I admire about you too, is just being the same thing, just being a true original. I mean, there's no one like you out there and, you know, from being a friend to, uh, you know, a business partner to a fellow musician. I mean, there's really no one, no one I can compare you to. And that's, I, I really like that about you and, and always have. And, and, you know, regardless of anything that's happened or arguments or, or stupid bullshit that, that has happened between you and I as far as just stupidest fucking arguments. It's embarrassing to even think about. But I've always yeah. admired you and, you know, your your originality and your drive and your creativity is really inspiring. And I, I just want to make sure that's known. And, and uh, you know, I'm glad we've been able to be friends for so long and, and do so many things together. And, and uh, I just love watching you guys grow. And uh, that's why I really wanted to have you on the show. Um, and I'm glad you came on. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I would, oh. I'd love to do it again. Awesome. Well, Let's maybe after the record sometime. comes out, we'll do another... We'll do another uh, episode. I'm going to do a couple part twos. I think with a couple people. I think it's. I think the podcast medium is fitting for that because I mean it's just. Hey, I like this person. I'm going to check out this conversation. You know, it's all appointment listening, as Jay Moore says. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well right nice. On. I'll. I'll send it out. Well, great <laughs> talk to you, Dewey. Yeah, dude. I'll. Uh, uh, we'll catch up soon and and actually meet up. Meet up. <laughs> Yeah, say hey to Joe and Nick and everybody for me, too. I will. I miss those dudes. I will. I'll say hi to them for you, and and, uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Have a good day. All right. You too, dude. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, folks. That was my conversation with John Gorley from Portugal, the man. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a great time making it and a great time chatting with my friends. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and play the new single, Noise Pollution uh, by Portugal the Man. This is going to be coming out on the new record on Atlantic Records. And uh, let's get into it now and we'll wrap things up. Let's make low resolution. 
the new single from Portugal the man called noise pollution coming out next year on their new record on Atlantic Records so we are available on www.peerpleasurepodcast.com Instagram Twitter and if you want to email me questions anything like that peerpleasurepod at gmail.com once again thanks again to John Gorley for coming on the show Uh, we're gonna have some more great guests every week Uh, we're really excited for this one to come out so this is episode nine. We're nine episodes in. Loving this show. Having a great time. Having a great time talking to everybody. Getting some great feedback. Keep it coming and keep on listening. Thanks a lot. See you next week.
Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man Podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man Podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leading monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30-somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.